Hello and welcome to another coffee sode of They Don't Teach This in Law School. I'm your host, Charlie Mann of Law Firm Alchemy, and we are continuing our series on building an investment grade law firm. In the previous episode, we covered putting inventory on the shelves, creating repeatable business units within your practice, and started to put some meat on the bones of that idea. In this episode, what I want to talk about is the marketing and achieving scale in marketing. So if you've ever watched an episode of Shark Tank, which very much worth watching, it's a great way to start thinking about your own law firm in terms of an investment vehicle and what private equity might look for. But in Shark Tank, inevitably they ask, you know, what's the money going to be used for, right? And even if that part isn't aired, that is one of the discussions that has had with every single entrepreneur who is pitching to the sharks. So one of the areas that almost everyone will invest in is marketing. And that just makes sense. In order to scale your practice, if we are adding the business units, like we talked about in the previous episode, then one of the next steps that we need to take is a marketing step. And this is where scale in marketing enters the discussion. So what do I mean by scale in marketing? Right now, if a lot of your marketing efforts are jumping from tactic to tactic, you don't really have scale in what you do. You have tactics that you're employing, things that you're trying, and they're working, and you know, you're know you probably taking incremental steps. But the question will be, how much faster can we move the marketing along? Can we deploy this marketing into additional marketplaces, whether that's geographically, different practice areas, acquiring other practices, et cetera? That's what a good marketing system will ultimately help you do in terms of achieving scale. So for example, if right now you are the third highest spender on Google ads in your area, would uh, outside investment allow you to scale that to be the second or first highest spender on Google ads in your area? That would represent a way to scale where we can start making some reasonable assumptions. Some of those assumptions would say, if we've been able to acquire a new client for X number of dollars, by putting uh, Y number of dollars in, we will acquire Z number of clients. So let's say we're acquiring a client. It's $1,000 to acquire a client. And we look at it and say, hey, you know, $100,000 of your investment is going to go back into our existing marketing framework to move it faster because maybe your personal injury, you aren't able to cycle money back in quite as fast. There's always kind of that lagging investment cycle where you know, if you're a PI firm owner, you probably experienced this where you kind of jump in a year, really big in revenue. And then, you know, now you're reinvesting. It takes another couple of years to see the full realization of that investment. Well, private equity can help smooth that curve. The other thing they're going to look for is not only smoothing the curve, but rapid, massive acceleration. So say in a transactional practice where we can see cash up front on the work that we do, they're going to look at, okay, if I put in this money, how rapidly can I get that money back by putting more inventory on the shelves? So that calculus opposite a repeatable marketing system. So let's say you own an estate planning firm and uh, right now you've got a great seminar system. But what you need is you need an outside expert who's going to come in and maybe tune up the copy on the invitation to the seminar pages, who's going to come in and layer in some new Facebook ad strategies. And you want the capital to be able to test those out, refine those systems over time, while also being able to afford maybe experts who come in and do additional closing. You can build a greater system out of that. 
private equity can move that system faster. You're going to want to look at this as how will I be able to multiply my system either by doing one of a few things. One, more capital into the existing advertising, more TV ads, more radio ads, more Google ads, more Facebook ads, etc. Because as we've sort of discussed throughout the prior couple of episodes, so much of the investability, don't think that's a word, but we'll use it, but so much of the investability of your firm comes down to how does the investment get put to work? And no investor wants to come in and find out that there's nothing sustainable. There's nothing that can be replicated within the practice. Now let's talk about referrals. On their surface, it would seem like referrals are very, very difficult to replicate. But what if you've been building a list? This is really important. Talked about a little bit in the very first episode of this series. But what if you're building a list and you can show that by adding a certain number of people to the list, it tends to produce this kind of financial result. And here's how you add people to the list. And here's how you will ultimately uh, use that money to put people on the list using a core set of strategies that you already have. Now, a, a PE firm, venture capital firm, they're going to come in and see how they can layer on that as well. So if they're, uh, I use the estate planning firm as an example, that's a really good example. If you're doing the seminars, you can now do more seminars, we can hone the copywriting side, we can hone uh, on the sales side, get better scripts involved, even things like tuning up a slide deck, these will be components pushed for by any smart investor. And so if you're the smart investor in your firm, and you're looking at where should you put capital, part of it is in honing what you do just as much if not more than trying something new. Additionally, private equity is going to look at can we take what is happening here? Can we take say an existing quote unquote, brand, and blow it up in a new way by say adding in another marketing platform. For example, if you're a personal injury firm that's on the uh, $2 million, $3 million region, one component you may not have right now is broadcast advertising, television advertising, radio advertising. So can a PE firm come in and say, great, you have a good brand, you have a generally good message, people seem to like you, can we now expand this faster by putting in the money up front to grow this via broadcast advertising? And that could be a big impact by getting that access to capital that you might not otherwise have on hand or would cause such a significant deficit for you right now that you'd rather trade off some equity and by the way, some expertise because your the the I said it in the very first episode, the investor who's coming into your firm needs to bring something to the table that is often greater than just the capital that they put in uh, in exchange for equity. Ideally, they're coming in with expertise or at least the ability to access experts you may not otherwise have available to you. You can reasonably expect them to examine the work that you're doing on your website and how it can be scaled up. So if you are a, a growing force on the search engine optimization front on SEO, they're going to want to get involved in that and probably streamline a lot of these processes. So that's the other side of the marketing equation. Do you have marketing that is clunky or quite frankly, clunky marketing that you should have? 
clunky marketing, uh, I should trademark that term, clunky marketing like handwritten notes. That is not infinitely scalable, but boy, oh boy, imagine an investor coming in and insisting that you actually use handwritten notes in your practice, is willing to put in a system or shoot, even if they come in and say, hey, you're now going to, we're, you know, one of the things that we want you to do is a subscription to handwritten.com. So that way you can send out uh, handwritten notes that are just, you know, automated handwritten notes to uh, people who have had birthdays on your list, et cetera. And they're installing some of this grassroots marketing uh, to overpower other bigger firms that are not willing to engage in that because they're so obsessed with maybe massive scale levers as opposed to the more intimate scaling levers that actually are incredible multipliers in growing and maintaining a brand in a community, but often get ignored in exchange for the easy stuff, the seemingly easy stuff like broadcast marketing. Now, the easy stuff will also be part of the investment uh, mentality that happens. All the, the capital that flows to your firm, they do want to see how easy it will be to plug in another $100,000. Like, Do that mental math for yourself. If you're a firm under a million dollars, do the math for yourself of if I gave you $100,000 right now, do you know which one of your marketing systems or maybe two of your marketing systems you would instantly choose to repeat that you would just instantly scale up because it is an educated guess or a, a well-placed bet or even a near certainty that you will get a return on investment? That type of clarifying question uh it changes the way that you look at your marketing. You know, some of your social media marketing, for example, which by the way, investors will be interested in your social media presence. They want to know that you have some level of influence, but of course, they're going to mitigate that against what is your influence versus what is the law firm influence. We're going to talk about that in just a second. So this social media marketing that you're doing, what type of scale can be delivered? Can we upgrade the video production? Can we do more of it? Can we build out additional profiles for the attorneys? Is there a way like when an attorney gets installed in your practice, we automatically build out their social presence and have a system of how they are supposed to direct message other people, set up meetups with other folks. So we transfer from just social media to offline marketing and that integration will be critical. And I'm speaking from like, again, part of this series is me speaking out loud, my own investor playbook that I'm looking to bring into this world as it starts to open up and I can get directly involved with uh, law firms I work with in this way. So uh, going to the sort of key man issue. This is a big investor issue. It's actually why a lot of small businesses have so much trouble being sold is because of the key man issue where you are so important to the firm on so many fronts that you represent an outsized risk. And if you are an outsized risk, it's not that you're a bad investment. It's just that you're not as easy of an investment and they can go and find another firm where maybe the personal brand per se of the owner is not so risky for them, especially if they're looking to take a significant percentage. Because what uh, if I'm an investor, my biggest worry is if I go in and I drop six figures plus in your firm and you sort of get excited by that and you start uh, putting your foot on the brakes a little bit for yourself personally, how could that affect my ability to achieve returns? You know, I'm gonna go into a firm that is building a brand for the firm, being known for what it does. Yes, it's unavoidable that you are part of the reason the brand grows. That is, I won't say absolute because we don't speak in absolutes around here, 
However, it is a major component of fast growth, especially for a firm that is in the six-figure range looking to get to seven figures. The growth of yourself as a celebrity pays massive dividends for you. The flip side, if you don't transform at some point to making the firm a larger celebrity, you will get stuck. You are less investable than other places. So uh, I wrote about this recently that it's going to come out in a February issue of the law firm Alchemy Newsletter, which quick shout out, if you are not currently receiving the in print mailed to you every month, totally free law firm Alchemy print newsletter, go to www.lawfirmalchemy.com slash newsletter. That is lawfirmalchemy.com slash newsletter to get your hands on that. Uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic resource. But I wrote recently about, or in an upcoming issue, uh, about my buddy, Adam Rawson, Rawson Law Firm down in Florida and his critical mass uh, advantage, which in putting out his videos, one of the things that he ha Adam has is he has so many attorneys on the team that his brand is not about one individual attorney. Instead, it really is about the firm. And there are many personalities within the firm. So people don't latch onto one or the other. So he gets to focus on, you know, he, he doesn't need, uh, it's not like a TV show where if the star goes away, ratings just drop off. Uh, it, it's very different. It, people will continue to tune in over and over again for what the Rawson law firm has to say. This doesn't mean when Adam does something on there, it doesn't have a higher percentage of reactions because it's more likely that his referral partners are going to respond to his face versus someone else's, but he has a distributed brand because he has a critical mass of key players who can do strong messaging on his marketing. And that offers a level of scale if we see how people participate in that marketing. So if I'm putting money into a firm, knowing that I have a lot of personalities, a lot of people who are getting referrals and a lot of people who can appear in my various forms of content, that is advantageous to me as an investor. So these are just some of the opening thoughts I have on the marketing side of scale in an investment grade law firm. And as you can see, the pattern remains that it's about what can I replicate and tune up? Not necessarily one or the other, but what can I replicate and tune up? I don't want to invest in a, I'm trying this tactic this week firm. I want to invest in a firm that has solid strategies and uses tactics to improve those strategies over time, to enhance, to add to, rather than constant replacement of marketing efforts. Your three, five-year-old marketing system that keeps churning out dollars, oh man, I want to invest in that because if I can make that 15% better, we're both going to get rich off of it. So that's my thoughts right now, uh, and I will see you in the next episode of They Don't Teach This in Law School.